0: I recently had the opportunity to read a very fetching autobiography, Up From Slavery, the groundbreaking monumental autobiography by Booker T. Washington. Take a look at that. Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. Let me read the back of this for y'all, in case you never heard of him. To say that Mr. Washington has won the gratitude of all thoughtful Southern white men is to say that he has worked with the highest practical wisdom at a large constructive task. For no plan for the upbuilding of the freedom could succeed that ran counter to the Southern opinion. To win the support of Southern opinion, to shape it, was necessarily part of the task. And blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. This is like, A dude who was once a slave, who rose to educate himself and be president, founder, and builder of the Tuskegee Institute that helped thousands of black Americans gain education and skills, you know, post- Slavery, and the Tuskegee Institute, now Tuskegee University, I believe, is still in operation today. Booker T. Washington. Take a look at that mug; he looks like that dude from those Allstate commercials. Are you in good hands? That's Allstate stand. Are you in good hands? Booker T. Washington. Booker T. I think there was a wrestler that used to call himself Booker T as well, wasn't there? WWE? Booker T? He didn't go like that. Booker T? He used to do that and then he'd do like a suplex or something. I don't know. But anyway, Booker T Washington, folks. Unbelievable. Monumental. Um, Autobiography. Highly recommend it. It's about personal accountability. It's about the uprising of a class. Self-sustainability, the power of trade, the power of skill, the power of education, the power of the heart. The power of the human spirit. You know, as I kind of alluded to, he was a unifying factor between the Southern whites and the Southern blacks. He had a very progressive outlook and attitude. Considering he was once a slave, this man was born in bondage and rose to prominence where he's shaking hands with heads of business, heads of industry, personal friend of governors, the president of the United States, globally known, traveled throughout Europe, gave speeches, an educator. And he literally built Tuskegee Institute from the ground up. He used some of those slave, oh, them slave hymns and them slave skills. Certainly come in handy, balls. You know, a little poetic license here. But, you know, he busted his ass and he built an institution and was a spearhead in black progress. A lot of times, often forgot. Everybody wants to nitpick, you know? Oh, who who did this, who did that? It's like, well, you gotta remember Book of T, folks. So, a couple inspiri- in- inspiring um, blurbs from the book, um, you know, just the wisdom of the man. I mean, first of all, like, uh, what was so prominent about him was his speeches. He'd go around and he'd make speeches. You know, he'd give talks on, you know, his upbringing and his education and the unifying factors of black and white. And, um, you know, that's a gift. Speech. That's how we communicate with people. Right? And something that I find very interesting and that I often talk about on the podcast is, you know... In this world of the societal dream, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, getting yours above everything else, there's so much hot air, hot wind. And one thing I can't stand is like dumb noise, blabbermouths, while that might run contrary to the podcast. One thing I can't stand is a blabbermouth and blah, 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 and blabberty blue, Right? Booker T talks about that briefly, which really impressed me, and I quote, Simply to be able to speak in public for the sake of talking has never had the least attraction to me. In fact, I consider that there is nothing so empty and unsatisfactory as mere abstract public speaking. But from my early childhood, I have had a desire to do something to make the world better, And then to be able to speak to the world about that thing. So insightful. Because, uh, you know, in a sense, I really relate to that because that's what I do. You know, as a stand-up comic, as a performer, I'm trying to be funny, entertaining, insightful, and to the point. And sometimes I take the poetic license and sometimes the performing aspect can careen and wind and meander. But generally speaking, I do the podcast, and then when I'm out there in my normal life, I like to listen. I don't like talking much. And if you look at the world, there's a lot of people. People always talking at me, and I can't hear the word they're saying. Just the shadows of my mind. People always be talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying. And these fucking Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, Cat in the Hat, fake ass, fucking dummy, dilettante, dipshit, morons. You know, like always people, politicians, pundits, you know, um, preachers, entertainers, public nuisances, drunks, addicts, always just running their beaks, running their yaps. Very insightful. This man, you know, toured the, the United States and Europe giving major speeches that united the races and brought Black people forward as a race. And, you know, it's like a very interesting skill to have learned as a slave born in bondage, to be able to just rise from the sweat of his own brow. And, you know, the helping hands that he generously acknowledges in the book but like a self-made man who found a power of speech that ignited something in people. Not talk for the sake of talk. Um, you know, and other insights like, um, for example, finances. One thing that was revealing, which was, you know, true in his time, you know, he was born in eighteen. 18- 58 roughly he doesn't know you know he states in the opening of the book he was born in possibly 1857 1858 there's really no birth record he just kind of heard from a few people at the post office they remembered or something something about he went to the post office and some clerk was like oh yeah we remember uh something like your mother said 1857 1858 I don't know he was buying a book of stamps and somebody told him I don't know something about a post office but basically he he was born in either like 1857 1858 he didn't even know right and something that was true in his time which is true today is like the saving of face the keeping up with the Joneses the materialistic stupidity of society so here's a little quote that I found interesting Um, you know the setup of this is you know He's now in Alabama, you know, Tuskegee, Alabama. He's, uh... He's going door-to-door, getting to know the neighbors, getting to know the area. He's about to begin his work setting up the Tuskegee Institute. So here he is, you know, and I quote, he's visiting a family. In these cabin homes, I often found sewing machines which had been bought or being bought on installment, frequently at a cost of as much as $60, or showy clocks for which the occupants of the cabins had paid $12 or $14. I remember on one occasion, when I went into one of these cabins for dinner, when I sat down to the table for a meal with the four members of the family, I noticed that, while there were five of us at the table, there was but one fork, for the five of us. Naturally, there was an awkward pause on my part. In the opposite corner of the same cabin was an organ for which the people told me they were paying $60 in monthly installments. One fork and a $60 organ! Exclamation point. This poor black family just coming out of slavery you know, misguided in their spending. They got one fork for the whole family to share. Yet in the corner of the cabin, there's a $60 organ. And I find that so true to this day. People always having to get the next iPhone, the iPhone 11, iPhone 13, 14, 15, 16, the newest Sneakers, the newest computer, the newest video game, this, that, and the other. Trying to buy things where it's like the true gifts of life, you can't really buy. The best things in life are for free. And you put yourself at a deficit when you're always chasing these fleeting, materialistic items. 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 I mean, I'm a lowly janitor. And actually, I, I was. I've been like a tradesperson, you know, a trade laborer, construction laborer, you know, Joe Blow, Jack of all trades, master of none, you know, dishwasher, janitor, you know, all sorts of dirty work that I've done. And you know, much like Booker T here, he was a janitor. You know, he got his humble beginnings as a janitor. But, you know, I've been a janitor and a fucking dishwasher. And I've always just made my money, put my time in, and saved my money. And sometimes I'd be talking to friends and acquaintances, and they make it seem like money is such a big deal, and how do you get in, and deadly dumb. And a lot of friends I've had have had... A lot of friends of mine or acquaintances have had better paying jobs, more prestigious jobs, yet they were always broke. Me... A dishwasher, a janitor, a day laborer, you know, blue collar work in person, I just would make my money and save it. I'm like, there's really no trick to money. You just make money, spend it. You make money, save it and spend it wisely. But there's so many people out there, you know, they got one fork, but a $60 organ, metaphorically. Very interesting. Another takeaway from this book. Um... Is the humility that the story of rags to riches, you know, like when slave when slaves first got their freedom and they're coming off the plantations and he's trying to establish these institutes, the Tuskegee Institute. He um, he meets this old woman. And she's trying to do her best to supply some some support in her own way for the Tuskegee Institute. And I quote, I recall one old colored woman who was about 70 years of age, who came to me when we were raising money to pay for the farm. She hobbled into the room where I was leaning, where I was, leaning on a cane. She was clad in rags, but they were clean. She said... Mr. Washington, Good. God knows I spent these best days of my life in slavery. God knows I's ignorant as poor, but she added, I knows what you and Miss Davison is trying to do. I knows you is trying to make better men and better women for the colored race. I ain't got no money. But I want you to take these six eggs. I want you to take these six eggs right here. What I has been saving up as I want you to put these six eggs into the education of these boys and gals. Since the work at Tuskegee started, it has been my privilege to receive many gifts for the benefit of the institution, but never any, I think, that touched me so deeply as this one. Isn't that a beautiful story? Some kindly old grandmother. Nah, I got no money, but I want to give you this, these here six eggs that I've been saving. (laughs) Like, It's so sweet. And it reminds me of the innocence of people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we're just people. You know what I mean? somebody humble enough to give six eggs and black or white, like don't we just look at people and just see a humanity? I don't know, something very touching about that. Indeed. As Booker Washington wrote. You know? um, And then um, a couple things here I want to Couple quotes I'll give to you here before I close out. Um, Meaningful ones. Uh, Just his overall outlook on work and what it takes to make it in life. And um, this is some of his outlook here. It means a great deal, I think, to start off on a foundation which one has made. For one's self. When our old students return to Tuskegee now, as they do often, and go into our large beautiful well-ventilated and well-lighted dining room, and see tempting well-cooked food, largely grown by the students themselves, and see tables, neat tablecloths, napkins, and vases of flowers upon the tables, and hear singing birds, and note that each meal is served exactly upon the minute, and no disorder, with almost no complaint coming from the hundreds and now, the hundreds of people now filling our dining room, they too often say to me that they are glad that we started as we did and built ourselves up year by year by a slow, natural growth. The process of slow, natural growth. You know? Invaluable. Truly. That idea of just Start where you are. Start where you can, and just build yourself. You know, another very interesting, uh, you know, outlook of his. In all my acquaintance, or in this, in this, uh, in this quote, he's referring to General Armstrong. General General Armstrong was a general. Um, I guess. He, he was a Yankee. He fought on the North against the Southern Whites during the, uh, the Civil War. And he, fe- he was like the headmaster at the Hampton Institute. That's where Booker T. Washington went as a young man, where he was first formally educated. And he maintained a very close relationship with General Armstrong, General Armstrong, throughout their, throughout his lifetime. So in, in this, in this snippet, he's, qu- he's talking about general Armstrong in all my acquaintance with general Armstrong, I had never heard him speak in public or in private, a single bitter word against the white men in the South from his example. In this respect, I learned the lesson that great men cultivate love and that only little men cherish a spirit of hatred. I learned that assistance given to the weak makes one who gives it strong, and the oppression of the unfortunate makes one weak. It is now long ago that I learned this lesson from General Armstrong, and resolved that I would not permit no man, no matter what his colour might be, to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. With God's help, I believe that I have completely rid myself of any ill feeling toward the southern white man for any wrong they may have inflicted upon my race. I am made to feel just as happy now when I am reading service to southern white men as when the service is rendered to a member of my own race. I pity from the bottom of my heart any individual who is so unfortunate as to get into the habit of holding race Prejudice. That's coming from the mouth of an ex-slave. I pity from the bottom of my heart any individual who is so unfortunate as to get into the habit of holding race prejudice. Powerful. This is like a template to race relations in the United States of America. This can solve racial relations worldwide. I mean, he's already a historical figure, Booker T. Washington. Sometimes we forget these things as time go by. We get caught up with keeping up with the Kardashians and you know what's the latest dumb, stupid thing on the internet like JR. the P, Jonathan on the podcast. And the wisdom is right for us to see. Pretty powerful stuff. So, you know, a um, couple more. Um, oh, there's a couple funny ones here too. Uh, check this one out here. Um, oh, no, no. Here's, here's, here's a good one too in, re- in regards to uh, work and stuff like that. Um, very interesting quote. Um, where is it? Oh yeah. In the long run, the world is going to have the best and any difference in race, religion, or previous history will not long keep world, the world from what it wants. I think that the whole future of my race hinges on the question of whether or not it can make itself of such indispensable indispensable value that people in the town and state where we reside will feel that our presence is necessary to the happiness and well-being of the community. No man who continues to add something to the material, intellectual, and moral well-being of the place in which he lives is long left without proper reward. This is a great human law which cannot be permanently nullified a great human law no man who continues to add something to the material intellectual and moral well-being of the place in which he lives is long left without proper reward yeah add something to society add something black white asian whatever you is add something you know. Got a lot of people squawking about, you know, affirmative action, social reform, black lives matter, trans rights, gay rights, feminist issues. Look within, add value in your place is yours to have. That's a human law. And we respond to that. Like most people with empathy and a level head can see injustice. Most people can see justice like, oh, that is deserving of reward. They're not just going to merely withhold anything from you. You got to put forth, put forth that effort. very interesting and um, (laughs) there are some funny things in here too though Um, uh, not intentionally but um, in this in this one little one here um, I'm not gonna read the whole thing but I'll just give you a quote (laughs) some reporter sees um, this is like a this is like a news article that he quotes and um, it's, it's on the subject of public speaking And this is a letter that some, some, this is like an article that some reporter writes and they say, um, while President Cleveland was waiting at Gray Gables today to send the electric spark that started the machinery of the Atlanta exposition, a Negro Moses, (laughs) a Negro Moses stood before a great audience of white people and delivered an oration that marks a new epoch in the history of the South. A body of Negro troops marched in procession with the citizen soldierly soldiery of Georgia and Louisiana. A Negro, a Negro Moses, stood and orated. That's hilarious. He was referred to as the Negro Moses of his time. That wasn't like a headline or anything, but that was just something that I found funny. <laughs> a Negro Moses. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Would I ever want to be referred to as a Negro Moses? Is that like flattery? I guess. A Negro Moses. <laughs> and you know, like his his um his message, his work was widespread. And something very interesting in conjunction with today is um you know he got a letter from the uh, John Hopkins University. And, um, you know, he gets this letter of invitation. Dear Mr. Washington, would it be agreeable for you to be one of the judges of a ward in the Department of Education at Atlanta? If so, I shall be glad to place your name upon the list. A line of telegraph will be welcomed. Yours very truly, D.C. Gillum. Joseph Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University, Baltimore. So yeah, he's getting letters of request from John Hopkins University and in this modern day which is very interesting, you know, like COVID-19 all the stupid drummed up theory (coughs) information coming out of uh, Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore so like very much the present day connected with Booker T. Washington you know he got an honorary degree from Harvard you know, Harvard University gave him a honorary degree in his day as well. So there's a lot of prominent institutes that, uh, that have association with Booker T. Washington. Harvard, John Hopkins University, Tuskegee Institute. And um, I can't recommend this book enough. Straight from the mouth of a ex-slave. Booker T. Washington, an autobiography. I'll post the link in the description. You can get it on Amazon. Something like, it was around like $15 or something. It was under $20, you know? Booker T. Washington, up from slavery. Yeah. Very, very powerful. You know, certainly changed my outlook and inspired some work ethic in me. And also, what a great bridging of the gap in race relations. So, highly recommended.